So, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I'm really nervous to preach this today because you might get offended. And, um, but you know, I think the spirit of... Oh! <laughs> Actually, you know what I was thinking? I saw Jean. I was like, I don't think I could do any worse than the last time when I said that marriage wasn't fun. So maybe I'm okay. Remember that? Yeah, so maybe I won't. I can't screw it up worse than that because people were getting nervous. So you might get nervous today. But uh, I, I just want to go back on something. I want to revisit something that Pastor Sonny talked about a couple weeks ago about the spirit of offense. And so that's why I say that. And, um, you know, I want to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, I want to share with you a story when I got the most offended. So um, if you don't know, I used to play basketball. And uh, it used to be a really big deal to me um, because I, was, I, didn't, I never had enough confidence to like, try to play basketball. Um, so I didn't start playing basketball until I was 21. And it was actually through my best friend. Um, his name's uh, Ethan. And uh, he actually reached out to me. And I was going through a rough time in my life. So I didn't know how to play basketball. And I remember I was sitting by myself. I was super sad. And then um, he came up to me. We didn't even know each other. We literally did not know each other. And he's like, hey. And I was like, hey. And he's like, do you play basketball? And I was like, no. And he, he was kind of surprised. I think he meant, he thought I would say yes. So he's holding the ball. He's like, all right, I'll teach you. And he just walked away. And I was like, okay, that was the start of our friendship. So basketball is really important to me. And that's how we grew in our friendship. I was all by myself. And we just, he taught me how to play basketball. And we just played basketball. And so, fast forward, I joined the church team. And, like, now I got a chip on my shoulder because, like, I'm 21 years old and I, that's when I first started to play basketball. Like, all these guys played since they were, like, in the third grade. So I had, like, no skills. I had nothing. And uh, so that's one of my favorite players, Draymond Green, because he's, like, just not the most, like, skilled person, but, like, it's his heart. You know, so that's kind of, like, how I play. You, Draymond, you know I love you, bro. But come on, man, your shot's horrible. But anyway, so... So I'm fast forwarding because there's one time we were getting ready for a tournament, and it was a really big tournament. And there's one of the really good players on our team. His name, I won't say his name. So he knows who he is. He's listening. So one day we were getting ready for practice. I remember, I still remember everything that happened that day. I was getting out of my car, I was getting my bag, and he comes up behind me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he looks me dead in the eye, like really serious. And he's like, Jeremy, he's like, he's like, do you feel like you hit a plateau? And I kind of, like, stopped. Like, I didn't know what he meant. I was like, you're talking about life? Or, like, I kind of looked at him. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like, do you feel like you hit a plateau? And I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, he's like do you feel like you're getting better? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, dude, I've only been playing for, like, two years. Like, I don't know what my ceiling is. Like, I'm trying to get better. And he's like, yeah, I just don't know. He's like, I've just been watching you play. And, like, I just don't feel like you've been getting better lately. And he walked away. And I was like, this is my teammate. And I'm just like... Oh, it's on. I was like pissed. And it's hilarious. I don't know if he was doing reverse psychology on me because that's when I took basketball heck of serious after that. I literally wrote his name on a piece of paper and I put it on the wall so that when I worked out at home, when I did insanity, every time I wanted to stop, I would read his name. I'd be like, nah, he's laughing at you. And like, nah. He just dissed you. Like, he said you plateau. Like, and I would talk to myself. I was like, did you plateau? And I was like, plateau this. And I would keep going, you know? And then at practice, he used to call me out. But then I started calling him out. 
So in practice, right, he would call me out. So if you don't know about basketball, it's kind of like a man, it's kind of like a pride thing. Like if someone calls you out, like if someone's guarding you, and if they do this, that means he's saying, oh, oh, like clear out because I'm going to take this guy one-on-one. I'm going to school him. So he used to do that to me. So in practice, I got so mad because after he said that to me, I would call him out. I would look at him and I would do this. <laughs> so it was bad, man. We won, we won two championships, but our friendship was destroyed forever. <laughs> so, so, so that was literally the time that I was probably really, I felt really the most offended. And it was so stupid, you know? And, um, but I, I, I joke about that, but I think sometimes we really do get offended. But I'm not talking about offense from people. I think as I've grown and I've met a lot of people, I think I find that people actually get offended by God a lot. And I want to let you know that um, I understand. You know, um, I have a friend, another friend. He's, he's, He's really, really loving. He loves everyone. He loves his friends. He loves his family. And he would pray for them constantly. He would minister to them constantly, saying, I hope they become Christians. And he prayed for them for probably over 10 years. And even to this day, they're still not Christians. And I think a part of them is really upset at God. And sometimes when we talk about it, I honestly don't know what to say to him. You know, I have another friend that was in high school. Um, I was a sophomore, and I didn't really know how to handle this kind of stuff. I remember one day he came to school, and he had all these cuts on his arm, like little cuts. And I was like, hey, man, what's up? Like, you okay? He's kind of a goofy guy. And so he was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I was helping my dad, you know, with some yard work. I just tripped and I fell. And then, you know, we were trimming, like, thorn, like rose bushes in front of my house. So I just kind of fell. You know, so I fell in, and unfortunately, so I just got scratched up. I was like, okay. And I remember later on, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I mean it's like, I'm, you know, I'm some stupid, like, 15-year-old. You know, like, I don't know anything. So I was like, okay, I mean, I believed him. And I remember later on that weekend, he called me. I still remember it was super late at night. And he was crying. And he said, Jeremy, he's like, remember I told you about like all those cuts on my arms and stuff? And I was like, yeah. He's like, it's, it's because my dad beats me. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, like, I, don't, I didn't know what to say. I remember everything was like in slow motion because I knew like the moment he said it, and I could hear him crying on the other side of the phone. I was like, dude, you gotta say something. But I couldn't, I literally did not have the words. I was just praying. I said, like, Jesus, I need something for this guy. And I had nothing. I remember I hung up the phone and I felt so defeated. I felt, I felt upset for him. I felt upset for him. You know, I remember he told me that he grew up Christian. But I remember at that moment he said, I just can't follow this God anymore. That's the last thing that he said to me. Like, broke my heart. And so I want you to know that I've seen it and I understand. And I, and I want to talk about it because I feel like, I think most of us in this room have something like that. Unfortunately, I think there's a time in your life where you felt like something happened to you that you, that didn't, that you didn't deserve. Something horrible happened. I think maybe something happened in your past, something in your childhood, something with your family. Something unexpected happened that you didn't plan for. A tragedy, an obstacle that came out of nowhere. You know, pain that you you didn't see coming. You know, you prayed for something and it didn't get answered. You felt let down. 
and you ask God why. And I think at the heart of it are two feelings that come out of that. I think at the heart of it, we begin to question and we begin to ask ourselves, God, are you really good? And God, do you really care about me? Do you really love me? I want you to know I understand. And I want to go to a, a passage in the Bible that talks about that. I want to go into a story of the Bible that talks about that. And I believe that today God wants to speak to that place. I know it's hard. I know it's a real heavy topic. But I just really felt like God wanted to talk about it today. He wants to go to that place if you're willing. Because I think at the end of the day, what God really wants, he's not upset that you're upset. I want to first of all break that lie off. He's not mad because you're mad at him. He just wants you to come home. He just wants to restore that relationship with you. So you guys are ready for that. I, I hope that you are. So let's go to the passage. It's in Luke 7. It's about my favorite character in the Bible. No, it's not Jesus. Is that blasphemous? I said that Jesus is not my favorite character in the Bible. It's about John the Baptist. And it's, and it's Luke 7, verse 18 to 23. And it says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? In that hour, Jesus, he healed many people, diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And I want you to know, I almost didn't want to read this verse in the beginning, because it's such a powerful scene, it's such a powerful moment. So I have to paint it for you, so you really can feel the gravity of this conversation. Because I believe it's a conversation that we all have with God. So who's John the Baptist? I told you he's my favorite character in the Bible. It's like, if I had a spirit animal, I guess it would be John the Baptist. <laughs> and so he's like the most beloved and renowned prophet in the Bible, or one of the most. He's like in the, like the Mount Rushmore. So Jesus is not on there, okay? Because he's like, you know, above that. So it's like Elijah, it's like Elisha, it's like John the Baptist, and it's like maybe like Ezekiel and Isaiah. Like he's like the big four, okay? And he's... The last prophet before Jesus is the eternal prophet. And so John the Baptist, he, he, even his story of how he came to be is so prophetic. Like from the moment he was born, he was set apart for God in crazy ways. And so quick story, his father is Zechariah, who's a priest, and his mom is Elizabeth, who serves also in the tabernacle. And God describes them as righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And so they were well advanced in years. And so she was barren, Elizabeth. And so Zechariah, one day, when he's just offering the incense in the temple, he sees an angel of the Lord next to, him, next to the altar. And he's scared. And he doesn't know what to do. And the angel tells him, you're about to have a son. And you're to name him John. And so there's a whole story about that. He doesn't believe, so then he can't speak. So anyway, but just the whole part of John's life, from the moment he's a miracle baby. So it's very few, you know, in the Bible that come from this miraculous sign of a birth through a barren woman. So we talked about Sarah, which gave birth to Isaac. And there's also um, Samuel, who came from Hannah. 
And so he's one of those few people. And so this is what the angel tells Zechariah, what John will do. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, other, and the, disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So right away, prophetically, John's life is all about Jesus. His life is to prepare the way for Jesus. And he gets the Holy Spirit from the womb. I don't know if you guys really understand that. That's crazy. He gets the Holy Spirit before the womb. So we think that we can only receive the Holy Spirit like when we accept Jesus. Yeah. He was so set apart that God said, I'm just going to give it to you without you even having a choice or asking for it. I'm going to give it to you the moment you're in the mother's womb. There's no other person that can say that besides Jesus. So he's in rarefied air right now. The only two people that have Holy Spirit in the womb is Jesus and John. And he... And he has the spirit of Elijah. So that's already like a sign. Like they're already taking like the most powerful prophet in Israel's history and saying he's going to have his spirit and the Holy Spirit. They're already setting him up for greatness in God's sight. And the fact that he gets to prepare the way for the Lord is crazy. So, so, So now you know a little bit about John. But it's not even about John. You have to understand John and Jesus. Because they're not strangers. You have to understand the relationship. And there's a lot more going on in this conversation than just two dudes talking about God. Okay? They're actually family. John and Jesus are family. So, Jesus' mother is Mary. John's mother is Elizabeth. They're actually relatives. The Bible doesn't say how they're related exactly, but they're relatives. Okay? And so the prophecy of Elizabeth being conceiving, conceiving of John came six months before Mary saw the angel and conceived Jesus. Okay, so now when Mary conceived of Jesus, she went to go visit her relative, Elizabeth, because the angel told her, your, your relative is also pregnant. So she went to see her, and she spent six months with her to get, I, I think, it doesn't say why, but I think she went to get encouragement and mentorship from an older woman, and she trusted her. So there was their, their family. I, I guess they're second cousins. I don't know what that makes that. But I want to also say that because of that moment, Jesus and John were connected not just through blood, but through the Spirit. Because what happened was, the moment Mary came into their house and said hello to Elizabeth, John, in the womb, he, he jumped, he leapt, because he felt the presence of God enter the room. Do you guys feel how powerful that is? It, it's kind of weird, but there's like two babies. They can't see each other. They're like in a womb. I don't know what it looks like from inside of a womb. You know, it's like dark, right? I'm assuming there's like fluid everywhere. You don't know, right? But all the, but they knew each other already in the spirit. Wow. Like how do two babies in two separate wombs? It's not even twins. It's like two separate wombs. They knew each other because the Holy Spirit already. That's how close Jesus and John are. But it goes even deeper than that. It was even deeper than that because they were also intertwined in their destinies and in their lives. Okay? John's whole life is to prepare Jesus 
to set him up for success. And John, he spends his whole life in the desert. Okay, so it's, what happens is, is because his parents are well advanced in age when they have him, it's most likely that they pass away when he's young. And instead of choosing to live with a relative, he chooses to be led by the Spirit into the desert to be prepared for ministry. He just goes, okay, I'm just going to go off. I, I think that's crazy. He's about like 14, 13 years old. He's just like, you know, I'm sure Mary's a relative. I'm sure Mary was like, you should come live with us. You, you know, you know Jesus. He's your cousin. Like, why don't you come live with us? And John's like, no. Spirit of the Lord's telling me to go to the desert. Like, what? Are you crazy? Because there's, there's a nomadic people called the Essenes who live out there. And he's like, I just got to go out there. I, I don't know why. Spirit of the Lord's leading me to go out there. And they let him go. That's crazy. I think that's like, is that like neglect? Like, you don't let a little kid just go out into the desert like that. But he disappeared. And they never saw him again until he bursted onto the scene, all crazy with his hair and eating locusts and wearing camel hair. And nuts, right? But, but do you see how John gave up everything for Jesus? He gave up everything for God. He didn't have a normal childhood. He didn't have normal friends. He, he, he didn't have a normal life. He gave up everything for that purpose. And what was that purpose? I want to read it to you straight from the book of Isaiah. As it is written in the book and words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall be made level, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That was his whole goal, was to prepare the hearts of the people. And he went all in, and I can respect that. The same way that I went all in for basketball, because someone dissed me, he went all in because he was set apart. He gave up everything yeah. for this purpose. And when he bursted onto the scene, when he preached, like people felt convicted. Yeah. He was so powerful and so convincing that people, he didn't have to go to people. People went to him. So people would go out into the desert looking for him. Because yeah. that's how much they wanted to hear the word of God. I don't know about you, that's crazy. I don't even like standing in line for, for Korean barbecue for an hour. They freaking walk into the desert looking for a crazy man. Yeah. Because that's how powerful his speaking was. It drew them into the presence of God. And he has such a huge, huge, huge following. But here's the crazy part. In the midst of all his popularity, in the midst of everything that he had, he always kept Jesus in the front. Yeah. He would tell people, I'm not the one. Mm. He would tell, I'm not the one. He, he already knew. He never let any of that get in the way. He never let any of that distract him. He never thought it was about him. He always kept Jesus in mind. He would tell all of them, there's one coming bigger than me. Yeah. One coming greater than me. Yeah. One who will baptize you not with water, but with spirit and fire. There's one coming who is so powerful, so glorious, that I'm not even worthy to untie his shoe. He said, no, it's not me. It's not me. And then there's that day. That day when Jesus shows on the scene. And he goes, behold, that's the Lamb of God. And he gets a front row seat to the anointing of Jesus. Do you know how powerful that moment is? That intimate moment that him and Jesus shared. He said to him, Lord, you should baptize me. Why would I baptize you? Just that exchange. And he said, no, in all righteousness, baptize me. And he gets to baptize the Son of God. And he gets to literally get a front row seat to see the Holy Spirit descend right in front of him. And he gets to hear the voice of God the loudest. 
because he's literally standing in the glory of God with Jesus. You know how powerful that is? Amen. Him and Jesus were like this. Yeah. And even from that moment, he did even more than that. From that moment when Jesus started his earthly ministry from that, he would tell his disciples, don't follow me. You need to follow him. They're like, why? He said, because I must become less and he must become greater. He always kept Jesus in the front. He knew his time was up. He said, I'm done. I did my job. I'm good. Go, don't follow me. Follow the son of God. He, he didn't care that all the crowds left him. He was left with nothing. Just a crazy old man eating honey and locusts all by himself now in the desert. He was good. He was done. That's crazy. But, so now you know Jesus and John. But now you have to know, why did this conversation even happen? So John is beloved by everybody. But he's not beloved by the king, King Herod. Because he spoke out against King Herod. So King Herod was very wicked and very evil. But he did something especially wicked, which is that he took his brother's wife for, his, for himself. And, he, and John called him out. He wasn't afraid. He said, King Herod, that's not right. And actually King Herod knew. And actually King Herod liked John. But it was his wife, or his brother's wife, who she didn't like that. He was saying that. And so she pressured King Herod to throw him in jail. But even when King Herod threw him in jail, he didn't want to harm him. He didn't, he didn't want to kill him. He didn't want to hurt him. But his wife was looking for a way to force him to kill John. And she had the perfect opportunity. You may have heard this story. That during his birthday, she got him very drunk. And then she sent her own daughter to dance for him. And he made a stupid promise to give her anything that she wanted. So of course, when she comes back and says, Mom, what should I ask for? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist. And in front of all his guests, he was pressured and couldn't back out. And so this is where we pick up the scene. John doesn't know, but I think John prophetically in the spirit knows that there's no way he's getting out. Because he knows that the queen hates him. And so in this last moment of his life, he's sitting in a dark, dingy dungeon. I, I can only imagine what he's asking himself. Like, God, is, it, is, is this how this is going to end? Yeah. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? And he's like, I, 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 and, this, and I love John the Baptist. But it's so, it's so relatable. It's so human, this one moment. He calls his disciples, like their last meeting. He's like, guys, I'm going to die. You know that. I need you to just ask Jesus. I just need this little bit of affirmation. I just need this little bit of assurance because I don't have any faith right now. I need you to go ask him. I want to read this scene again because I think now you can understand what's really happening. He's saying, I just need to know. So he sends them out and they go to Jesus with this question. Hey, you know what? I think Jesus is heartbroken. When he saw them, he knew. He's like, why are they here? And he came and asked him the question, are you the one that we've been searching for? Or should we look for another? I think even the disciples of John knew that, the answer. But they asked because they loved their, their, they loved their mentor. And I think Jesus wasn't upset. I think Jesus' heart broke. And so he gave him his answer. And he thought, 
my own flesh and blood, my relative, probably the man, maybe the man on earth that I'm the closest to. I know he's in jail and I know he's about to die. And it broke his heart. I want to look at Jesus' answer. And this is going to be the hardest part of today. Because I think some of you aren't going to like what Jesus said either. But we have to go through this. And I believe that in Jesus' answer, I think you will find peace. So the first thing I want to point out is that Jesus wasn't upset. I think a lot of times we think as Christians, to have faith means you can't doubt. Right? You can never question. Can I break off that lie right now? I don't think Jesus is upset that you question. I don't think Jesus is upset that, 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 you're, that you're wondering why this happened to you. Why did this happen to my family? Why did this happen to me when I was younger? Why did this happen? I think it's okay. I want to say that. Don't feel guilty for that. That's a normal human response. And I think when Jesus saw that John was asking him, the one that they had a moment in the spirit together that no one else in history could ever say, even he doubted, Jesus had love for him. He didn't say, how could you question me? How could you think that? Don't you remember what happened? Don't you remember what we shared? I don't think he said that. I think he had love for him. I want you to know, Jesus has love for you. That when you speak into something, why did my parents get divorced? Why why, why Why did that family member have to die? I don't think he says, how could you question me? I think he looks with eyes of love and he says, come, come close to me. You know, I think it's okay to ask, but there's a caveat. You have to be ready to accept his answer. Mm. And that's, this is the hardest part, right? I didn't come to give you an answer to why things happened the way that they did. I can't. And you know what? God didn't do it for John. You realize in his answer, he didn't tell them why he was in jail. He didn't tell him why he was in that bad situation. He didn't tell him why he was going to die. He didn't tell him that he was going to make it better. He didn't tell him he was going to save him. He didn't tell him, I'm going to rescue you. Let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's all he says. He didn't even trust the question. Yeah. And can I say something? I believe that some of you today feel like you've been praying about something that hurt you in the past. That, that has, that's been gripping your heart. And you feel like when you pray and pray and pray, God doesn't address the question. Wow. But can I tell you something? Just because you don't feel like he addressed the question doesn't mean he didn't hear you asking. He's not ignoring you right now. He heard your question. He heard what you asked him. Man, I cannot give you why. And, 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 And I bring up, this is the hardest part. And I bring up John the Baptist because he's the one person, in my opinion, in the history of man who deserved to have an answer. 
He deserved to have an answer from God. He deserved to have an answer from Jesus. He gave his whole life to Jesus. He did everything for Jesus. He always put Jesus first. He always put Jesus ahead of him. He always put him above him. He gave up everything. His, his life, his reputation, his own followers, his, everything, every glory, everything he had. He gave it all to him. He was faithful from the beginning. He didn't even have a normal life. His whole purpose was to prepare the way for him. If any, he didn't do anything wrong. If anything, he should be glorified because he spoke out against an evil king. And he was going to die for that? He had every right to ask Jesus for an answer. And if there's anyone who is upright and righteous and finished his life well, because there's a lot of people in the Bible who didn't finish their life well. Right? David, Solomon, great men in the Bible. Moses didn't even get to enter the promised land. They didn't end well. This is one of the few people who ended well. Wow. But maybe, maybe not, because he had to ask this question. I don't know. But in terms of, in terms of how he walked, right? Yeah. He deserved an answer. Can I tell you? I know that you deserve an answer, too. But Jesus didn't give it to him. And I can't tell you why. Because I'm not God. You know, there's a lot of preachers that will come up here and try to tell you why. Oh, you know, something bad happened to you to set up for this. This, this is to do this. This was necessary to do that. I don't know if that's true, to be honest with you. Because God's ways are so deep, so wide, so high, so far. I don't want to talk about something that I don't know about. That's presumptuous and insensitive of me. I would never tell someone, your father had to die so that this could happen. No, that is a lie. Because God doesn't have to cause pain here or death here to make this happen. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Come on. So I can't tell you why. And I, and, I, and, I, and I didn't come here today to tell you why. I'm sorry. But what I, I believe is because the answer to peace and restoration with God is not in the why. That's why. Okay? I know that's hard. I know that if we, if we feel like we know, then we feel like we have closure. Yeah. Right? I know in, in the flesh that's what it sounds like but I'm here to tell you today that I believe that Jesus didn't give John the answer because that's not what gives him peace and that's not what's going to restore his relationship with him so we have to look at what Jesus actually said okay so what did he actually say he said look at what's happening around you what he's really saying is Look at what you know. Yeah. He's saying, look at what you know. Wow. He's saying, you see what I'm doing, John. You see the miracles. He's like, I know you know what that means. You see that the blind are healed. You see that the deaf hear. You see that the dead are raised. John, I know you know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. You see the, the prisoners being freed. You see the people, the poor being blessed. John, I know you know yeah. what that means. He's reminding him, mm-hmm. look at what you know. Not what you don't know. That's the word of the Lord for someone today. I know it's hard. I'm telling you right now. I know it's hard. But the word of the Lord for you today is that in the moments when you don't know what's happening, it's not to look and focus on what you don't know. God is saying, look at what you do know. Look at what you do know. Look at who I am. Look at who I am. Because that's where you're going to find the peace. And and, and I'm not just saying this. Here's the craziest part. Whether you realize it or not, we do that for people more than we do it for God. Can, 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 can I be real with you? We do this for people more than we do this for God. I'll give you a perfect example. Me and my wife, Anna, I trust her. 
with my whole life. If, if I saw Anna do something funny, something fishy, something like questionable, because I know her heart, I know who she is, because we're one, yeah. I would not question her. I would not be like, oh, what, 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 what's going on here? Oh, uh, what, 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 what do you do that? I wouldn't do that. If, if somebody else came and gave me a report about Anna and said, oh, I saw Anna here with this guy, I'd be like, nah, you're lying. I'm being serious. I wouldn't believe that crap. Yeah, yeah. We give more grace and trust to people. We give people the benefit of the doubt more than we give God. If you really knew someone, your best friend, and they told you a whack report, you'd be like, you're full of crap. I know that person. That's not them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not doubting what you saw. I'm just saying it's not them. I, I, or even if it was, I trust them. I'm not worried about it. But how many is with God, when something happens, we're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know anymore, God. Is that who you say you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All of a sudden, we don't know. We don't know. You know what's crazy? We put more trust in fallible, sinful people than the perfect, loving, almighty God. And I'm going to tell you, why does that happen? This is not an knock on you. This is on me too, okay? It's because you don't know them as good as your best friend. I'm going to keep it real. If you knew... God's heart for you, the way that you know your mother's heart for you, your wife's heart for you, your husband's heart for you, your best friend's heart for you, your brother's heart for you, your sister's heart for you. If you even knew at the same level what God's heart is for you, I think that's where the peace comes from. We give people the benefit of the doubt more than we give to God. When I, it should be the opposite. When I see something whack from God, I'll be like, it's me. Like, I'm not seeing this right. It's not you, God. But when we see something we don't get, we're like, no, it's you, God. It's you. I don't trust you. How can this be, guys? Seriously, how can this be? It can't. It can't, guys. I'm going to tell you the biggest reason why we do that. Because we make assumptions. We make assumptions. We make assumptions. This is the biggest, biggest mistake. Because when we ask a question and we don't get an answer, we gotta fill in the blank. Because yeah. I know, I'm like this too. I don't like dealing with unknown. Yeah. So we gotta fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. But instead of filling in the blank with what we know, we fill in the blank with what we think. Yeah. And I wanna go back to what Pastor Sonny said earlier about the spirit of offense in this age. This is where the spirit of offense shows up the most. It comes in us making more assumptions than we've ever done before in the history of mankind, in my opinion. Because right now, in today's age, people have opinions. Yeah. And it's okay. I want to say that first of all. Yeah. It's okay. I mean that. And social media has given people a lot of confidence to share their opinions, which is not a bad thing. But this is a free one, okay? Every time something good is out of balance, it becomes bad. Come on. Every time something that's a strength becomes out of balance, it becomes a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is now that we've found our voice as a society, which is a good thing, but when it's out of balance, you become opinionated yeah. and not just with an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You guys feel the difference? So you're not just someone with an opinion. You're an opinionated person. So that means you think that your opinion is right yeah. and that everyone else should hear it and should agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that we have a society now that is really good at talking but really bad at listening. Yeah. You guys hear what I'm saying? Yeah. You put something out on social media so that we can talk right. but we can ignore and not read the comments. <laughs> and not care about the consequences of what we said because we don't have to check. 
Yeah. But I put it out there. Yeah. But then we turn away from everything else and say, oh, well, or, or whatever, right? So we now got really good at sharing, but we're really bad at listening. Right, yeah. We're really good at sharing, but we're really bad at receiving. Wow. We're really good at talking, but we're really bad at listening. Yeah. And now what happens, not just with people, yeah. but we do that to God. Wow. So this habit now has flooded into our relationship with God. So now with God, when we don't, when we don't know, we make assumptions, and now we're opinionated about God. And we choose not to listen to what he says. I got one more thing about this. Everyone talks about be informed. Be informed. You know, there's a, and these are good again, okay? There's hashtag woke, right? It's a very powerful movement. Talking about how people need to be aware of what's really happening. People need to be aware of social injustice and what's happening in society. And I totally agree with that, okay? We're talking about being informed. Being an informed voter. Being informed about these issues. Being informed about your city. Being informed about the government. And I agree with all this. But can I ask you something? Can we be more informed about God first? I'm not saying it's not bad to be informed about society and the government and all these things. What I'm trying to say is that are you more woke about man or are you more woke about God? What I'm trying to say is that I'm not saying don't know about those things. What I'm trying to say is that can we put them in the right balance? How can we know more about social injustice than spiritual ones? How can we know more about oppression of the, by men instead of oppression by the devil? How can we know more about freedom that we desire for equality and races besides freedom for ourselves as a spiritual body of believers? That's what I'm trying to say, guys. I'm not saying these things are bad, but we're out of balance. So right now, I'm calling out to this age that feels hypersensitive and opinionated. We gotta bring it back to the right balance, y'all. You guys feel what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying being woke is bad. That's good. But let's take that same desire to be woke about social and political issues and, and, and also put that into the right perspective with our spiritual realities and issues. Can we be more woke about God? And I'm going to tie this together. What does this have to do with each other? Because at the end of the day, when you form your opinion, are you letting your opinions and ideas about society, about what other people tell you about God, about what the government says, about what other people post, inform you about God, more than letting Him inform you about Himself? That's my problem. I don't have a problem with people being informed. I have a problem with people getting their opinions from God from everywhere else but God. I have a problem with people making assumptions about who God is when they don't read His Word. I I need to bring my Bible. Because I'm, you know, this happened the first time I preached. I don't own Bibles here, so I got to slap on it again. (laughs) I'm I'm more concerned about people knowing who God is from the word of God than making assumptions from what you read on social media, from what other people tell you about God, from what other things you see. I'm guys, guys, I'm so serious. We 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 have we have to go back to the source. Yeah. Why do you make an assumption about a person without talking to him? Yeah. You would never do that with another person, with another human being. Yeah. That's called spreading a rumor. Yeah. So we go around spreading rumors about God. Because we talk to everybody else about God besides the person involved. We all hate that. Don't you hate that when someone yeah. says something about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone says, oh, I heard that you did this. And you're like, why don't you ask me? Yeah, yeah. Don't you feel like God's saying that right now? Wow. When you say, oh, yeah, God let me down. God, God doesn't come through. I feel like God's standing there saying, why didn't you ask me? Wow. Why didn't you ask me? Yeah. Wow. What? 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 You had this conversation about me without me? We hate that. I'll tell you right now. I think God hates that. Yeah. But it's all in love. He's not here to like, 
guys, he's not here to, he's not here to, to make you feel bad. He's just saying, I believe God's speaking to this place because he wants to end this vicious cycle. This cycle of frustration, this cycle of hurt that will never be answered because we don't talk to the one that's involved in the situation. Now, I hear the Spirit of the Lord telling me, there are people who say, yeah, Jeremy, but you remember? I'm part of that crowd of people who prayed and I didn't get the answer that I wanted. I'm part of that crowd of people who prayed and I didn't hear anything. I understand. I understand. And I want to tell you, I think that's how John felt. And I want you to know he is answering. He's just not answering in the way that you're looking. Yep. Come on. I'm sorry. Tell it. I, I really am. But I want you to know that you have to go back to the word of God. Yeah. And it'll speak to you. You have to know who he is. And it'll speak to you. I believe that with all my heart. And and sometimes we ignore the answer because it's not the one that we want because we're asking why. I'm asking you today to let go of why. And the answer is in who. You have to ask him, Lord, show me who you are. Remind me. I want to give you a couple of verses. <laughs> the Lord, the word of God says that he is the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Guys, he loves you. I know what happened hurt. I know what happened to you was unfair. But you have to know who he is. He leaves the 99 to come after you. He's the good shepherd. He is for you. He is not against you. He is your strength and your shield. He is your portion. He is your rock. He is your stronghold. He is your strong tower if you trust in him. He is your father. He died for you. His love can never, ever fail. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. These are just a little bit of the promises. You have to know who he is. I'm going to wrap this up. I want you to know that I know how you feel. Because this happened to me. I was 17 years old, junior in high school. Everything was going good in my life, actually. And my family was, um, my family always wanted to reach out to my grandmother. Um, Because she wasn't a Christian. And actually, my, my whole family was a Christian. Uh, all my uncles and aunts. And this one aunt, she was the best. She loved God so much. And she was the most vocal. She, she would be the only one who had the balls to talk to my grandma about God. She would always, and she'd always be the one like, that would be awkward, like, like when you want to pray for the meal, like before Christmas, when no one wants to do it, she'd always be the one to bring it up. Like, hey guys, who's going to pray? I loved her. And so she was pregnant with the child. So we were all really excited, and um, she had, she really had a firstborn son. So you know, so my cousin was really excited to, to get um, a brother, and she was I think in the third trimester. And uh, one day I got a call, and my mom told me that she died, and I was like, what? And what happened was she was sleeping, you know, just sleeping, but somehow the baby in her womb got turned perpendicular and the baby rolled over in the sleep just naturally but it collapsed her lung because it rolled up so she suffocated and died at night and the baby died and the next morning my uncle woke up
find his wife and his baby dead next to him. And I remember going to that funeral and I asked God the whole time, why? I said, God, she's the faithful one. Why'd you take her? And I said, and why did you do it while she still had the baby? Why couldn't you let the baby be born first? And now my little cousin is going to grow up without his mom. And I couldn't stop looking at my little cousin. He was like four or five at the time, just crying, looking at his mom in a casket. so much in the third trimester that they were able to, you know, remove the child and have it lay next to my aunt. And to this day, I don't know why. So I can tell you that I understand. But I came here to tell you today that I live by what I know. Okay, guys? Because I don't live by what I don't know. That's foolishness. You live by what you know. Because I know this God, even though that may be true, there are a thousand other truths about who my God is. Amen. That this God saved my grandmother's life yeah. 10 years later. And she accepted Jesus Christ. I know that this God did not abandon my cousin who was crying at the feet of his mother's casket because now he's a grown man and he loves the Lord. I know that my God is for me because every time I have a doubt, every time I have a lie, he shows up and protects me. Every time I'm spiritually attacked, he shows up. Every time I'm financially in a crisis and I don't have any money, he shows up, that He freed me from debt, that He called me into ministry. He provided more, than, more for me than I could ever understand. I told you that other story later, earlier in my other sermon, where He helped me overcome pornography. That's who my God is. My God is not the one that I don't understand because He did this. My God is the one that I do understand because He did this. And I'm asking you, and I know it's hard, but I'm asking you to step into that space. Yeah. And I'm asking you to live by what you know not by what you don't know because I have good news for you God never changes he doesn't have a bad day he didn't just oh I messed up it says that every good and perfect gift comes from above from the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows he's the same and those two things can coexist God can do something that you don't understand but God can do a whole lot that you do understand. Yeah. And I'm asking you to choose to weigh them properly in this moment. 
And I believe that someone in this room, maybe many people in this room, are going through something that's very hard. You have a question about something that happened in your life, and you're asking God, why did it happen like this? Why did it have to happen? I understand. But right now, I believe what God wants to do is to show you who He is. Because I believe if we let go of our assumptions and we begin to know who He is, you're going to fall in love with Him all over again. I just want you to right now just close your eyes and just interact with God right now. Because I believe He wants to speak to you. I know it's hard. I know we've all been through something family member passing, a divorce, a disease, an unfair situation. Can I be honest? Sexual abuse. I know. And Jesus understands. And I know we all want to ask why. I understand. And you can ask why. We have to know that we have to accept the answer that he gives you. And I believe the greatest answer that he can give you is to show you the glory of who he is and just how much he loves you. I didn't come here to tell you why. I came here to tell you today who. I came here to tell you who he is. That he is your father. That he is the good shepherd. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he left heaven to come down and get you that his love for you is reckless and he left the 99 to come get you that he's the father that waits looking for you to come home and will run to you when you come home that's who he is and I know it hurts but I'm asking you right now in this moment to let him speak into that place right now and it might not be why but I believe if you gaze upon his glory and his love for you, it's all going to make a little more sense. And it's all going to feel just a little bit more peaceful. Yeah. Jesus. Just come right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just come right now and touch every heart.